Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Oh, gnarly! Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? But it's only authentic if it says members only right here. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. The, the best, the best that, that we remember. remember. Again, that, oh my it's goodness. It must be the wow. I think it's Debbie. Last week it was it's Kevin. Me. This week it's Debbie. I. It's a mess, you guys. Wow. wow. So, um, because last week took so long, we were originally going to do that as one podcast. We had a lot of good information, a lot of good discussion. We decided we are going to break this up into two weeks. So now let's just, we're just going to jump right into it. No 80s rewind. We're going to jump right into, oh, do you have one snowball? No, but I wanted to see what Matt would have oh, I was, I was <laughs> ready. I'm going to save it for the next podcast. But I got, I got a doozy, but I'm going to save it for the next podcast. Uh, I bet you do. All right. <laughs> so in case you missed last week, what we're doing, we're counting down our top 10 artists of the 1980s from our informal Facebook poll. So we did number 10 through six last week. Now we're going to do five through one. So let's jump right into it. Right after this word from our sponsors. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Anchor for providing this platform for us to share this podcast. We also want to thank Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TunedIn Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out at our website at livingintheeighties.us, and of course, on our Facebook page, Living in the Eighties. Thanks, and back to the show. And now for our feature presentation, number five. All right, number five: Huey Lewis and the News. So this is an interesting one because I'm like, okay, you know, there's seems like there's some big names in this top 10. It's like at first glance, you're like, oh, Huey Lewis, Huey Lewis maybe doesn't belong here. Um, but I'll give you some reasons why they do here in just a minute. They were formed in uh, San Francisco. And unlike some of the other bands, you really, I'm, I'm guessing not even like the real aficionados of music would know 
who the band members are of Huey Lewis and the News, other than Huey Lewis. Um, Sean Hopper, Bill Gibson, Johnny Cola, Mario Cipollina, maybe, and Chris Hayes. So it's, it's one of those bands where it was almost like it's Huey Lewis, you know, and then, and whoever else, but, but these guys stayed throughout their, their um, success. When they started off, critics weren't real crazy about them. They didn't like Huey Lewis's voice. It's kind of gravelly, but to me, looking back, it's kind of worked, right? It's just kind of the sound we've come to, to know and love. Um, they had a quick rise, kind of like the police, but unlike when they reached the top, they continued in then kind of slid back down. So 82 was their first album. It was called um, Picture This. And they had one song off of that, Do You Believe in Love? And it made it to number seven. And uh, they also had Working for a Live and it made it to number 41, which is interesting because now I, I hear that song and I would have never thought that that was like off of their very first album. Their big album came the next year, Sports. It had, um, it was the number one album. And from it, there was five hits. If This Is It, which went to number six, I Want a New Drug, which also went to number six. And if you recall, um, they later sued uh, Ray Parker Jr. because he used the, the very similar music for Ghostbusters that was in I Want a New Drug, and they settled yeah, out of court. Almost identical. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Heart and Soul went to number eight. Uh, Heart of Rock and Roll made it to number six. And Walking on a Thin Line made it to number 18. So... Huge album. Um, the next couple songs by them weren't actually on any, uh, weren't on a Huey Lewis and News albums, but they did a couple songs for a movie called Back to the Future. So they were on the soundtrack, Power of Love. What was the movie called went again? Back what? Back to the Future. It was a movie about a time traveling teenager in a car. That sounds interesting. That sounds yeah. Was you it guys should check it out sometime. Video, maybe? Good <laughs> the, the straight to video was that? Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was straight to VHS or Betamax. Uh, so, so that movie was huge. So was the song. It went to number one. They also had a song on there uh, on the soundtrack called "Back in Time," which you can hear in the movie. Um, it didn't chart here in the United States. And if you recall, Huey Lewis actually had a cameo in the movie where he's. Um, kind of auditioning the bands and he decides that marty's band is just too darn loud so they don't get picked (laughs) um he had a solo part in we are the world in 1985 the the song for his money Mm. real good one Mm -hmm. yeah good part part. uh their next (laughs) (laughs) their next big album was 86 uh four and it also went to number one, and they had two more number ones off of this album, Jacob's Ladder and Stuck With You. And they also had Doing It All For My Baby, number six, Hip To Be Square, number three, which anytime I hear Hip To Be Square, I think of the, uh, the movie American Psycho. Ah, never where seen. <laughs> You've never seen it? I think of the San Francisco 49ers, who some of the members sung background on it. So, so Patrick Bateman... Uh, which is played by Christian Bale. He's the American Psycho, and he's telling this this guy, he, he, this this guy Paul Allen's in his apartment, and he's telling him all about um, Huey Lewis and how great they are, and um, talking about hip to be, how, how great this song "Hip to Be Square" is, and then like chops him up with an axe, like right in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> so it's like this, alert. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, if you haven't seen it yet. Well, there's actually a video. There's a parody video of uh, Huey Lewis and Huey Lewis and um, Weird Al recreating that scene, except Huey Lewis is talking about how great the movie American Psycho is. And at the end of it, he chopped up nice. Weird Al. So it's, it's worth checking out. <laughs> Check that one out. That's funny. Um, their next album came out in 88. It, it kind of like they, they had peaked. It was um, it only made it to number 11. They only had two hits off of it, Perfect World and Small World. They they stayed together, but each album after that subsequently got worse and worse, you know, as far as um, where it made it in the top 200. Huey Lewis, he has hearing problems. He's got a lot of hearing loss. He can't really hear pitch anymore, so they they are no longer performing live, which is sad to hear, you know. I mean, when you're a musician and, and you lose your hearing, that's that would be really, really tough. Um, they have never really been seriously considered for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So the question is, should they get in? Well, yes. you know, one of the things that a lot of people that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, is other artists will say they inspired me. And I don't know of any group that says, you know, Huey Lewis and the news were our inspiration. You know, they were our influence. But at the same time, they did have more number one hits than the police did, right? I mean, they had three number one hits. Boom. There it is. That's even more than Lisa Lisa and the culture. Yes, They had 12 top 10 hits. I mean, they they cranked out the hits, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I would I would say, personally, just because I, I love that band, I think they, they do deserve to be in it. There are, you know, I see the critics' point of view, like, are they this major influential force? Maybe not. Were they on the radio for like almost an entire decade? Yeah, they were. Uh, there are lesser bands in there with lesser chart success that influenced like literally nobody. I'm looking at you like Herman's Hermits and the Four Seasons. <laughs> like, you know, they basically for their time, hit makers, you know, they had songs on the radio. Nobody said, well, I was heavily inspired by the Four Seasons and Paul Revere and the Raiders. These guys are all in there. Huey Lewis would have been, I, I would say, the equivalent to those bands when we grew up. I, I really like a show that's on Apple Music. So he basically gets on there and posts a show. I'm not sure how often it, it drops, but he, you know, he'll take a, a certain subgenre of 80s music, like, oh, these are songs that won Oscar awards for best song throughout the 80s and, you know, just stuff like that. And it's really cool to hear him talk about stuff. He'll even get topics he doesn't care about. So he didn't really care about 80s New Wave, but he did an 80s New Wave episode. He's like, he'll say stuff like, I don't even know who this band is. <laughs> he'll play the song. So it's pretty good. He's got a good sense of humor. I never saw him live. I have a friend that did, and he said they were really great live. And one of the things I always liked about Huey Lewis was how clearly he enunciates all of his words. There's not, you know, a lot of bands you'd like, what did he say there? With Huey, you almost always know. One of the things I've always enjoyed. That's quite the compliment. (laughs) You have great enunciation skills. We should be in the whole thing. But Kevin, I I know what you you meant about like, we don't know any of the guys in the band. But in the videos, we can identify all of them because we saw them over and over. And they got almost as much billing as Huey did. Not quite, but they're as identifiable to him as, you know, any backup band you would think could be. So... They do have some humorous turns in the videos and stuff. So, really. right. 
So uh, what's your favorite Huey Lewis in the news song? For me, it would be If This Is It or Stuck With You. Mm. My two favorites. Okay. Deb, Mine is Jacob's you? Ladder. Jacob's okay. Ladder. All right. Matt, Mike, you ever heard of him? <laughs> <laughs> heard of him. Wow. All right. I'll answer your question with a question. Okay. Evan, do you believe in love? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that, that was a trick question. Which would yeah. answer that correctly. <laughs> it's an awesome intention. I forgot about that one. That might be one of my <laughs> that's up there too. Good. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I like that one too. I'm gonna go with Power of Love just because it was in one of my favorite movies from the 80s, um, Back to the Future. So um, when I hear that, I think of the movie. When I see the movie, I hear the song. So <laughs> I brought a tear to my eye when you start talking about that. It was... <laughs> That's beautiful, Kevin. <laughs> so here's something that I find that we're at this point in the countdown that Huey Lewis is ranked in our top five. Not that I don't like Huey Lewis, because I do. I mean, I love Huey Lewis in the news, love listening to him. Like, I almost never turn him off. But being ranked this high, it's a little something like they're above you two, above the police, above the cars. Right. There's several bands we'll talk about later. Like, they're above Bon Jovi. So, I mean, again, this is a snapshot. This is our crowd of people that, that voted, you know, in this short time period. But uh, just a little surprised that uh, the I mean, these were the... But you know, they were popular. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were the background. They were on the radio a lot. He had a lot of songs. Mm -hmm. it's, Miami Vice. He's very familiar. I mean, I think it's, it's a familiarity, too. I mean, it's just... Easy to listen to, good stuff. Yeah. And again, you don't have Pat, to think too hard to listen to who is going in and you know, <laughs> what is the song be? The Duke and he, I mean, just he brings his vocabulary skills. Very clear speaking. And I have this to say Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, take that. Take that. The listeners have spoken. They're number five. Number five. Yeah. Put them in. All right. Let's move on to number four. Number four. The number four artist is Prince. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. My name is Prince. was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1958. So the same year as Michael Jackson, I realized as you were discussing, talking about Michael Jackson earlier, his mom was a jazz singer and his father was a pianist and songwriter. Uh, Prince's name, Prince Roger Nelson, was taken from his father's stage name that his father used when performing with his wife and their group, the Prince Rogers Trio. And I thought this was funny. Prince didn't like the name and wanted to be called Skipper. <laughs> which stuck throughout his childhood. He could have. He went away with Kevin. He took a really matching hats. <laughs> just, wow. I'm just imagining wanting to be called Skipper when you were a kid, but that's what he wanted. Yeah. 
So his first album for you was released in 1978. So he started just before the 80s. Um, he was known for writing, producing, arranging, recording, composing, and also playing 27 instruments on the songs for most of his albums. So the man was truly talented and truly gifted. Um, you know, he had he had side projects left and right. He formed a band called The Time in 1981. They released four albums. He wrote and performed most of the instruments for them, as well as the backing vocals. Um, a lot of times when he was helping other artists, he did not want to be recognized, so he used pseudonyms. So if you see Jamie Starr or the Star Company listed on albums, that was normally Prince. Um, in terms of his disc discography, say that 10 times fast, he recorded 42 studio albums, including four soundtrack albums, really four live albums. Yeah, 42. Now that's up until the time of his death. Four live albums, nine compilation albums, 17 video albums, and then three albums that were released posthumously after his death. He has had four number one albums in the U.S., three of them in the 1980s, which included Purple Rain, Around the World in a Day, which was 85, and Batman, which was 89. And then according to the Billboard Hot 100, he had five number one hits. Four of those were in the 1980s. That was When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, Kiss, and Bat Dance. The one that was outside oh, of the Bat 80s Dance. was Cream in wow. 1991. Yeah, Bat Dance, if that doesn't bring back some Ooh. memories. <laughs> He has sold over 100 million records worldwide and Rolling Stone ranked him number 27 of 100 greatest artists of all time. So he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004, where he played an amazing guitar solo for While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And he also played Let's Go Crazy, Sign of the Times and Kiss. And if you have not had the opportunity, I went out, like I said, last night and went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website. And if you Google all the artists that have been inducted, you guys already probably know this. They have videos of their induction broken into segments. So you can watch bits and pieces. So if you don't want to hear all the speeches, you can watch like Prince's guitar solo at the beginning with, with the band that was playing some of his music. And then you can watch his performances at the end. And he was absolutely phenomenal. He rocked it out. And when you consider how much older he was at that point than when he recorded all those songs. He still had it and still just had a blast on stage. And unfortunately, we lost Prince on April 21st, 2016 of an accidental fentanyl overdose at the age of 57. And you think about how much he was still doing and how much music could still be out there, you know, if he were still around because the man was prolific. He still had top albums, you know, later in life. So it's a pretty amazing artist. Mm -hmm. So what are your favorite songs by Prince? Rob? Mine would be uh, Be Your Lover. That song has always stuck with me. I mean, I like a lot of Prince songs, a lot of them, but that's, that's, that's the one for me. I had a picture of you singing that. <laughs> with that high-pitched falsetto. <laughs> I, can, I can pull it off. You could. I won't do but, it right. But. Oh, I was going to ask you to do it now. Darn it. <laughs> no, I ooze with talent, but I'm going to pay for that kind of action. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Well, I've got two of them. First one, I think it's just a fun song, Raspberry Beret. <laughs> I always like that one. But the second one, okay, this might kind of ruin the image you guys have of me as a tough guy. Oh, boy. You know? <laughs> that was ruined when you showed up with ankle bracelets on. Yeah. <laughs> so my other favorite songs from Purple Rain is Purple Rain. I, I will admit, like Kevin, 
I cried at Purple Rain. Oh boy. <laughs> Not a lot. Wow. Just a little, you know, tear up, but you know, it's a tug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that probably just totally ruins yeah. the image you have of me. Mm-hmm. It sure ruins it. Yep. Well. Okay, Matt. So how about you? Are you gonna ruin it too? It was probably a little red Corvette. I mean, you know, it's uh what was that song about? But well, I don't think it's important right now, is it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like that, and I, I do a little purple rain as well. I mean, it's the, I mean, it's the mainstream stuff, but other good stuff. How about you, Kevin? I think my favorite is probably Delirious. That's a good one too. Yeah, Delirious and Party Man were my favorites. I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, the M and M's are are horsing around over there. In the yeah, corner. yeah, that's par for the course. It's like okay. monkeys. <laughs> They need to get in trouble. You know, they're sharing notes. I think, you know, I used to be a school teacher. If you're sharing notes, you got to read them out loud. To the <laughs> oh, you don't want just to saying. read this out loud. He's just picking up some uh, Prince titles that probably should be left for a different kind of video. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have not some. Yes, sure. I think I know some of them that you're thinking of. Prince had, you know, I mean, that's something to probably discuss is Prince was an, an explicit singer at times, mm-hmm. right? It was very... Um, well, explicit. It was just leave it there. A lot of a lot of times he would like kind of mask them in like mm-hmm. like sort of uh the double entendre. Uh, yes, thank you. Well, I, and then other times he just said it straight like, out. Yeah. yeah. Listen to "Let's Pretend We're Married." That's all I got to say. Well, Erotic uh, City. It's very clear. The darling Nikki. <laughs> right. When you and you you hear the songs and the music and you get this image and you know of, of kind of who the singer might be or look like and then you like when when you see him you know he's just this he's a little tiny guy you know just a list and he, mm-hmm. he he looks kind of you know effeminate and he's just so small and tiny and just this little and then he, some of these songs is like he's just um i mean sometimes they just don't the, the image doesn't go sometimes with what he sings i don't know i'm just very yeah. Interesting. very interesting. yeah yeah and and Kevin and Matt and, and Rob you went to Paisley Park right uh, I remember Kevin and I did yes Rob and I did yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well, it was kind of funny there there was different rooms and one of the rooms was kind of dedicated to purple rain and they had like the Harley in there the purple Harley and Rob's like this looks like a motorcycle for a kid you know it's like this is not a normal sized oh, Harley yeah. you know it was it was custom made for the movie because he was short in stature. They had to make it look like, you know, it was this big old hog that he's so riding. Basically, we're going to eat my It's a scooter. <laughs> the Vespa. Yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. And I would have loved to have like sat on it. But of course, you know, you'd get bounced if you tried to do it. Yeah. We'd have probably gotten crushed by some bouncer if we did that. I saw Prince in concert um, probably late '90s, maybe. Oh wow! He was he was here in Columbus, and um, it was at Value City, and it was completely dark, and you just see like this little flash across the floor, and you're like, "What is that?" When the lights came up, he had on like these little high-heeled shoes, <laughs> lights in him as he walked, kind of like little kid shoes that light up when he walked. Yeah. And, he liked wearing his little platform shoes to make him, you know, a couple inches taller. Yeah, he was great. It, yeah, it just it, it, it was 
very effeminate, but yet then he would sing very masculine. You know, those, yeah. 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 Let's just, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. There it is. That's great. He chooses to wear an anklet. He can wear an anklet. I mean, why not? That's great. Well, he's Prince for crying out loud, so he can get by with it. <laughs> Mike Moore, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> so, what, 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 what's your take on him, like with the whole, you know, artist formerly known as and like the symbol and the, the name stuff? Did that ever bother you, or does that not a big deal? I mean, at the time, it was kind of annoying, but when I look back and understand why he was doing it for, which is what he, that his voice is being taken away from him by the label, and, and that was kind of his way of, of kind of taking back some of his power, then I, I kind of understood it a little bit better. And they talked about that, actually, when we are on the tour at Paisley Park. So, Matt, if you go there, they'll explain it to you. Okay, <laughs> okay I think we are – are we on to number – Three. Number three. All right. The number three uh, band is Van Halen. Hello, baby. Pasadena, California. So they formed in uh, 1972. Uh, brothers Alex and Eddie Van Halen wanted to, to start up a band. They um, brought in David Lee Roth, which they didn't think was that great of a singer. But at the same time, he kind of had the look. He had the charisma. Um, so uh, they, they kind of formed that along with Michael Anthony and that was the first part. Uh, obviously, later when David Lee Roth decided to pursue a solo career, then they brought in Sammy Hagar. Um, interestingly enough, Sammy Hagar was not their first choice. Uh, Mike, you'll be glad to know that their first choice was Patty Smythe. So if you can imagine, the second half of Van Halen's career would have been with Patty Smythe uh, of yeah, Scandal. That, that could have been a, that one. I'm sure they would have fine the it would have been a much different and here's maybe even stranger the person they approached was daryl hall oh <laughs> wow. not at all uh, to no. me a, a fit for that kind of sound but um we could have pulled it off though i mean if you ever watch live at daryl's house he sings a lot of different styles i love daryl i love daryl hall he's wonderful but i i, I even even though I he can't picture him. It off, i still can't see it <laughs> yeah that, that one's uh that one's a stretch. I mean, to, I think I, I could see Patty Smythe probably easier. Um, their they their first album was 1978, so they had a couple in the late 70s. They had Van Halen and Van Halen Two, and their songs didn't really chart very high. And that's one thing with with Van Halen is you know a lot of their songs, but they weren't a top 40 band, so the, a lot of these songs didn't make it into the uh, you know top 40 or whatever. 
Um, their first album in the 80s was Women and Children First uh, and The Cradle of Rock, which you know everybody knows that song, only made it to 55. Uh, everybody Wants Some didn't chart at all. So um, uh, they had uh, two songs from their 81 album, Fair Warning, um, Mean Street, Unchained, neither song charted. Uh, and... 82, so uh, sort similar to the police, they were putting out an album every year, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82. They put out an album, um, Diver Down, which made it number three on the album chart, had Pretty Woman, which was number 12, and Dancing in the Street, which is number 38. So the album was doing well. Um, the albums were doing well, but the songs weren't really top 40 kind of music. Similar to the police, they had a, a two-year break uh, between 82 and 84 before they put up their next album which they came out with in 1984 and that was commercially their biggest success up to that point and it was also turned out to be David Lee Ross last one with the group Jump made it to number one their only number one hit as a band I'll Wait made it to 13 and Hot for Teacher which we all know made it to only number 56 so lots of airplay but uh, again just wasn't top 40 stuff david lee roth decided to pursue a, a solo career and a fine career it was <laughs> california girls yeah, just, a gigolo. just a gigolo just a gigolo that skyscraper album was phenomenal <laughs> it truly was listen just listen to it. it sounds like a van halen record it does yeah um they actually had more top 40 success when Hagar came, came along. Um, they put out 5150 in uh, 1986. It became the number one album, which was the first time they had a number one album. It had. 1984 didn't go to number one? It went to number two. Can you believe that? Surprise. So surprise. If, if you look at the, the album success, um, it would look like they were better off with Sammy Hagar because they had a number one album with 5150 and OU812 and for unlawful carnal knowledge, you got to say it carefully, and Balance. All four of those went to number one album. Uh, the highest one with David Lee Roth was um, 1984, which made it to number two. So I don't know if it's because they were established or because people really thought they were that much better when Sammy Hagar came along. Um. So, again, they had probably some of their bigger hits, uh, with the exception of Jump. Um, Why Can't This Be Love went to number three. They had Win Us Love went to number five off the OU812 album. So, um, had, had some success with Hagar. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007, and they officially disbanded one month after Eddie Van Halen passed away. So, question, which one do you prefer? Uh, as the lead singer for Van Halen, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Van Halen. Sammy Hagar. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a David Lee Roth guy. I'm a David Lee Roth guy. Rob. Um, listen to the records. Um, I think I, I love Van Halen the whole thing except for the Gary Sharon years later. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. <laughs> We're not worth mentioning <laughs> right like you said they did have more commercial success with sammy i think it's because of the time that that they that they were together then 
the David Lee Roth records, I think, hold up in my mind better live. I'll take Sammy eight days a week. Mm. Um, I've seen him with both guys. Uh, David Lee Roth is uh, just sort of like an exaggerated showman. Sammy Hagar puts on a show um, from beginning to end. Like he'll sing David Lee Roth songs. David Lee Roth, for one, does not have the vocal range to sing the Sammy songs. He just doesn't. Come on. I think he'd be the first to probably admit that. Um, because Sammy's got this incredible range. I mean, Snowball's growing up or something. <laughs> what he's doing. I'm good. He did he did leave the room to call. But I would I would definitely say um I'll take Sammy live. I'll take the Dave Studio stuff. I get to see uh Van Halen with Sammy Hagar uh, at, at the lead. Um, I got to see Van Halen with Dave Lee Roth as a lead. And then I got to see a show where Sammy Hager opened and did his songs. And then Dave Lee Roth came on in the second half and did his song. So I've seen him a couple wow. of times. And um, because I've always been a Dave Lee Roth fan over Sammy Hager, I, I, I thought that they did great in concert. But I know you've mentioned that before, Rob, that Sammy can sing Dave Lee Roth songs, but it's not the other way around. So I would have loved to seen dave tackle like some of the easier ones like um like pound cake or something like mm -hmm. he, he probably could have done stuff like that some of the other um uh, sammy songs but he just I, I think it was i think it's his ego just didn't want to well that the vocal range is one thing but i think ego kind of prevented him from doing somebody else's stuff yeah so deb what's your favorite uh, van halen song i have two dreams and right now Okay, so both Sammy Hagar. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Rob? Um, I will say with David Lee Roth, it's I'll Wait. And then with Sammy, it would be Summer Nights. Okay. Mike? Drop Dead Legs. Mm, good one. Yeah. Great one, actually. I love that. Matt? Well, I'm married to a teacher. Guys like hot for So you guys named my two for 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 Van Halen with David Lee Roth as Drop Dead Legs, and for uh, Van Halen with uh, Sammy Hagar at Summer Nights. So, yeah. Favorite Van Halen album? How about that one? It's got to be 1984. Yeah, for me, me too. It's the best. To me. Uh, 5150. 5150. And that'd probably be my second. Okay. Well, you know what? We are up to number two. Number two. And number two is going to be the group Def Leopard. Yeah. <laughs> with that one see that one he okay. approves of one you hear this look at that he, he we found a group that mike likes maybe we should just leave it at that mike likes him he likes it hey mikey we got uh 
Lisa, 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, Def Leppard, uh, an English rock band formed in 1976 um, in Sheffield. They are from, they have several, they have, well, their, their band members are Rick Savage, Joe Elliott, his lead vocals, Rick Allen, Phil Collin, Vivian Campbell. There was a few others that were in the band uh, over the years at, uh, well, let's just say they had some struggles, uh, little, little alcohol issues, uh, kicked the dude out. One guy did uh, died in 1991, uh, a little alcohol poisoning. So I think the, the little party band might have a, followed them a little bit. Steve Clark passed away in 91. Pete Willis was uh, kicked out in 82 just for um, little alcohol issues. Let's just, they got in trouble. Let's just leave it at that. Their first band names, again, I, I like the, their first names. Uh, 1976, they call themselves Atomic Mass. So I, I don't know, maybe they thought they were maybe sitting in a garage, science class. Let's let's call ourselves Atomic Mass. I, 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 it, it, yeah, it could work. And then they went from that to call ourselves Chemical Reactor. <laughs> which, I mean, which it catches... Um, but then their next name, which is great, was Def Leppard, but spelled like a large animal, a large cat that can't hear very well. It was actually spelled <laughs> Def as in G-E-A-F and Leopard like the, the, the cat. And then he said... Then How do you spell that, Matt? I, that's not important. So then, then they go to the, the name that we've uh, known to, to love. Uh, they would be described as well, they'd be described as glam metal, hard rock, heavy metal, arena rock, pop rock, whatever. But they don't, um, they weren't very appreciative of the glam rock image that was given to them. Uh, they're not fans of that at all. Their early success was uh, in the early 80s, or their most success was in the early 80s and the uh, early uh, to the early 90s. They got 12 albums to their name. Four of them came to us uh, in uh, the eighties, uh, which would have been two of the the biggies there for us. So hold on one second there, my my Wikipedia is not updating as, as quick as it was. I'm not lying; they they know what I'm bringing to the table. So, um, and uh, their the four eighties albums are on through the night, high and dry, mm -hmm. high Romania eighty three. I think uh, gets a lot of us kind of excited there. And then hysteria in '87. Um, so they, they, they. Uh, if in that era, I mean, to me, they were just one. I'm, I'm just kind of surprised they're number two. I ain't gonna lie. I, I was kind of surprised that they um, climbed as high in our chart as I, I am. How many number ones did they have? Actually, not, not, not as many as I thought they would. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of two. They, they're two, two. Cold Jam. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought it was going to have a little more than that. Um, they, uh, to me, I, when, when I think of, well, let me give you some other stuff. They, they um, have sold more than 100 million records worldwide. They have two albums that are Diamond Certification, which is Pyromania and Hysteria. 
making them one of only five rock bands with two original studio, studio albums selling more than 10 million copies in the U.S. They're ranked 31 in VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock, and they're ranked number 70 in 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019. Uh, and when I think of Def Lever, I, I, I think of Rick Allen, the drummer. I mean, everyone's kind of got their own little, uh, you know, niche or distinction, and you're just not going to find a, a many bands with a one-armed drummer. And so I think Rick Allen has kind of set that group aside for uh, their their success. Uh, he was in a car accident in 1984, driving a Corvette. He lost control, passing another car, and uh, hit a wall, entered a field, and his left arm was severed. They uh, they reattached it, put it together, but uh, it didn't last very long. So, I mean, it's just, it, to me, I will, whenever I think of Def Leppard, I just think of freaking one-armed drummer. I mean, it's just it's, it's insane to me. Who probably uh, has the strongest calves in the world with a double bass <laughs> drum. <laughs> you got to keep up. It's just amazing. Uh, so I mean, I, I'm that's just I, I I think he is uh, I think he's just a very unique feature for the band that kind of made them stand out in the group of yeah. um, that that genre right there. What's uh, what's Kevin? What's your favorite your favorite Def Leppard song? Probably Photograph. That was the first album I knew of theirs, um, Pyromania, and that was the song I liked. Pyromania. What, what, what about you, Miss Dad? Were you fans of them at all? Yeah, I was. I liked Bulin and Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, very good. Yeah, the video. What does the guy say? I'm pro- I probably don't. I'm just know it phonetically. Eaten, gleaten, glouten, globin. And I know I said that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that that is uh, producer Mutt Lang. Uh, they were counting down to start the song, and they kept messing it up. So he just made up something that sounded German and just mm-hmm. said it. So what you actually hear on the record is Mutt Lang, not a band member, in the countdown. And they played it back, and he's going to take it off. The band insisted they keep it on there. How awesome is that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty yeah, cool. That, that is pretty good. Very cool. The, uh, Kevin or Robin, have you seen these guys live or no? I have not. They were very good. Uh, cheap trick opened for them a few years ago. Both oh, wow. bands were awesome. Yes, great, great shows. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. My favorite Def Leppard song, Photograph, would be two, but my favorite Def Leppard song, I think, is Bringing on the Heartache. Snowball threw up his arms like that was mine. That's my song. You can't have it. <laughs> so I assume that was your song. Well, I'll go. Let's pour some sugar on me. Uh, it was my ring intro song. So I'll keep on. <laughs> oh boy! I, I think I think uh, pour some sugar on me may be a better ring intro song. That's a great. It's a good one. I mean, you know, it's a good one. The Hollywood yeah. Blondes. No, what was the? Blonde bombers, yes. Pour some sugar on me. Come to green. That's good awesome. stuff. That's awesome. Okay. Um, number one. Number one. We've been waiting. Number one. For two weeks. Wait, it took us two weeks to get here. Two weeks. The number one should be no surprise to anybody. Number one. Number one. Journey.
and nobody's surprised at this one, I don't think. Uh, not in the U.S. anyway. Uh, I know my friend Marty McFly had, had not even heard of Journey over in Australia. Wow. Wow. So That is amazing. What? And so he was he was commenting like how good they were. And so we're going to do a future podcast on bands that may have been big um, around the world, but not in the U.S., and then maybe vice versa. So that'll be a fun podcast. So Journey, originally formed in 1973. Their first band name, Matt, was Golden Gate Rhythm Section. Love that. That's That's like a nice orchestra. It sure does. So they were formed in San Francisco, and the original members were Neil Sean on guitar, Ross Valerie on bass, Greg Raleigh on keyboards, and George Tickner on rhythm guitar, and Prairie Prince on drums. Now, Mm -hmm. Prairie Prince was the drummer for the tubes. And they were formed with the intention of being a backup band for established Bay Area artists. After one performance, they decided they wanted to be a full-time band, leading into more of a jazz fusion style. Since Prairie Prince already was in a band, he didn't want to commit to two bands. And so he stuck with the tubes. I wonder if he regrets that one. (laughs) (laughs) And and so they had to replace him. Uh, They auditioned 28 drummers and finally settled on Ainsley Dunbar, who uh, had toured with David Bowie and was part of Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention band. Uh, They enlisted the help of a local Bay Area radio station to get a more permanent name. After that was unsuccessful, their roadie, John Villanueva, suggested they take on the name Journey and the name Stuck. Uh, The band underwent several lineup changes over the next few years until Steve Perry joined the band and became lead singer in 1977. Ainsley Dunbar stayed uh, throughout that first album, and he was less than thrilled about the band's new direction, going away from their jazz fusion style and becoming more of a rock and blues type band. Uh, This opened the door for drummer Steve Smith, formerly of Montrose, Sammy Hagar's band, to take over on drums. Greg Raleigh left the band following their departure tour in 1980. So for a couple albums there, Greg Raleigh and Steve Perry kind of went back and forth on vocals with Steve Perry kind of sort of taken over. But um, Greg Raleigh did not mind that at all because, you know, he, he's a musician. And uh, he ended up leaving the band, not under any bad terms, but he just wanted to raise his family and not have the full-time touring schedule. Uh, so this is when the band enlisted Baby's keyboardist, Jonathan Kane and the classic lineup, classic 80s lineup of Journey was firmly in place. So with Steve Perry, Neil Sean, and Jonathan Kane handling the sound writing duties, they stayed true to their rock and blues roots, but began taking on more of a pop style that was a hit-making machine. Uh, during the 1980s, they had 20 charting singles, including seven top tens, uh, Don't Stop Believing is the biggest selling digital download of the 20th century. Mm. Back when people still bought music, things sold 7 million copies. Mm. Um, you might remember it was the closing song with Sopranos. Uh, it has been an anthem for sports teams all over the world. And uh, still, like that song comes on immediately. You know what it is. You know who it is. You're singing along. Mm-hmm. Everybody becomes a small town girl living in a lonely world. Cool. Um, in the 80s, they released four albums. Departure sold over 3 million copies. Escape sold over 10 million. 
Frontier sold over 6 million and Raised on Radio sold over 2 million copies. After the Raised on Radio tour, the band took a break and came back in 1996 when they did the Trial by Fire album. And shortly thereafter, Steve Perry had left the band. So since then, they've had like a revolving door of singers and drummers and just different people in the band. They were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. Uh, Journey has continued to, to be a, a well-loved band. Um, if you listen to any radio station, listen to um, or watch any video shows from the 80s, you're always almost always going to hear at least one Journey video, if not more. I saw them live probably three times, none with Steve Perry. Oh. I would give my paycheck to <laughs> do a, a concert with Steve Perry, and I would love to be there. I don't go to as many concerts these days as I used to. I just don't feel like the crowds and the aggravation, but I would I would fight crowds and endure yeah. aggravation for that one. My favorite Journey song, Stone in Love. I mean, <laughs> I've heard that before. You think you have? Shocking. <laughs> Mike, your favorite journey song. I'm gonna slow it down a little bit. Oh, I know it's good. He's, he's, what are you gonna do? Favorite, what you, you will not. You have no idea. If I haven't heard of this song, bring it. Well, you have. <laughs> you know I mean, Matt has it. Just get to it. Why can't this night go on forever? Oh, great song. Yeah. Off the Raised it in Radio album, which is a very underrated. Oh, album. I love the album. Great song. Great song. Think, think about 1986. Oh, I'm intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff. How about you, Matt? I know you've got a favorite Journey song. I mean, I'm, I'm right. I'm the poppy. I like Don't Stop. I mean, that's that's probably got to be my favorite one. Too. Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. Hmm. Debbie. Mine is a Roll the Windows Down and Turn Up the Volume song. It is Ask the Lonely. Oh, good oh, one. That's good I absolutely love that one. That's a great one. Kevin, um, I have two after the fall mm. and only the young. Oh, well, that's, I a, good one. that's a great story. Yeah. That vision quest, yeah, yes. yeah. Do you ever, you guys, ever hear the scandal version of Only the Young? No, very good. They actually mm. released it first. I think we talked about that on the podcast, yeah. I've heard it, yeah. So, very good, very good. I, I could, uh, there are tons of Journey songs I just absolutely love. Another band that I could just turn the radio on and the Journey song comes on, I'm not, I'm going to park the car. If I'm ready to get out, it's not going to happen until that song's over. So, yes, good, good stuff. Um, have any of you guys uh, seen Journey live? I know Kevin has. Yep. Not with Steve yeah. Perry, though. <laughs> you notice, Matt, I have not answered. I've seen the Georgia Satellite Band live, though. There you yeah, go. Georgia Satellite Band. They were number Why weren't they in the top 10? <laughs> they were number, yeah. four, number 14 or 13. You think, you yeah. think that one song would have been enough to carry them this far? You would have thought. It was. Very we saw them when Stephen O'Jerry was the lead singer and we had just heard commercials that Journey was coming and all that we heard in the commercials was Steve Perry because Stephen O'Jerry sounds uh, a lot the same uh, and he we we had like nosebleed seats it was an outdoor concert 
and we swore it was Steve Perry from where we were sitting. He had the long black hair. He moved the same way. The voice sounded the same. We're walking back to our car talking about how Steve Perry still had it and was so good. And I'm sure everyone around us is going, they are so stupid. And we get home later and find out that it was Steve Perry. Oh, that's funny. Wow. He did did sound a lot like him. Well, actually, Arnel Pineda sounds a lot like him, too. I mean, to me, it it just sounds like a Journey tribute band because Steve Perry, you know, Arnell may have a more powerful voice at this point of his career. But still, Steve Perry brings that soul and that just, just something to it. He's, he's the doing voice, man. He's trying to be Steve Perry. He's, yeah. he's yeah. not making his own fit. He just, they want, when you, 100%. Gotta, you want to hear Steve Perry or the guy that sounds just like him. Yeah. It's, so um, if you haven't had a chance, uh, there's a documentary on this on your Arneal Pena. I cannot even probably say Pineda, but however you say the guy's name, very humble. Very humble, come from very humble beginnings. Oh, yeah, you told us. Uh, I remember in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, there's a picture of um, of him and Steve Perry shaking hands. And he's just, and he said to him, I thank you for your songs and you have made a living for me and my family. <laughs> so it's like, you know what? He's up there singing somebody else's songs and the humility to acknowledge, you know, the greatness of uh, Steve Perry. There, so. Pretty cool. Very good. That's awesome. All right, so that's our list. Wow. That is the list. Two so, that's an awesome list. No, it was a good list. I think what we'll do is um, uh, we will p- take this list, put it on the Facebook page, and let everybody vote for only one. Let's see what the yes. vote turns out as. You yeah. can only vote for one. Who's it going to be? So that'll be. Can we actually Salisa to the list just to see? Mike, please stop. <laughs> no. Stop we are not going to sully the image of this oh. podcast. <laughs> Why? Maybe, maybe we could do. Uh, girls looked really good in the 80s don't look quite as good now so you know a list of them mm-hmm. yeah wow lisa lisa would <laughs> so okay so to close out the podcast here who on the um who on this this list here um or who who didn't make this list other than lisa lisa and cult jam with full force uh, who 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 legitimately should have been on this list that didn't didn't make it? Modana. Yeah, when when she listens yeah. to this podcast, I think she's gonna be shocked that she's not in the top ten list. I think she'll be upset. She may yeah. even start she's... something in in her American accent. I think she's gonna make a video to get more attention, just so that we'll include her on the list. Yeah, that's very possible. Madonna, you make that yeah. video. We'll put you on the list. But, but yeah, she probably should have. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say Hall of Notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a surprising omission. I voted for him. Yeah. Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. Really? Mm. I I don't know about that. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, they came along in the late 80s. So it was 86. So they didn't span the whole decade, but they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of uh, very eclectic band, very, uh, very good. I don't know if I would put them in top 10. But they definitely, I think, are worthy of 10D. Pretty 10D. <laughs> Who else? Um, NXS. NXS, yes. Yeah. They would be just, they would be in my personal top 10 for sure. Rick Springfield would be in my personal top 10. Yeah, I voted for Rick Springfield I'm, myself. I'm kind of surprised Rick Springfield didn't make it, to be honest with you, because there's enough people that like him. I like him. I don't think I put him in the top 10, but. Um, 
I, I do think that you know, I'm kind of surprised he didn't. He screams. He was just outside of it. He might have been number yeah. 14. He he been right in front of Richard Marks, probably. <laughs> yes. Um, I think Brian Adams is another yep. yeah. on this list. Did he have enough songs in the 80s though? I guess maybe so. I guess he, he did have quite a few. Yeah. So he yeah, would, he kind of spanned a good portion of the decade. So um, yeah. I would I would say he probably would fall. I mean, we were talking 80s artists and chart performance and stuff. I think he would probably fall probably just outside that top 10. I think he had hit a big string of hits. And I, again, I may not be remembering correctly. I don't have chart numbers in front of me, but I would think that what? he would. Janet Jackson's another one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Whitney yes. Houston. Whitney Houston. Yeah. Tom Again, Patty. Whitney came along a little bit later, like eighty. That was like eighty six. So the second mm -hmm. half of the eighties, like she probably was on the charts in the eighties for a longer period of time than the police were. So. And you have Cindy Lauper too. Oh, yeah. Cindy Lauper. Yeah, she's another one that that certainly um, would be worth a lot of consideration. I would say. Um, ZZ Top, maybe. ZZ Top, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. I would say they would certainly be worthy. Tom um, Petty and the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That's that's Snowball. George, right. George Michael. Even more than the Police. Yes. Yeah, George Michael. George Michael. Yeah. Well, Wham should. I. They wouldn't make my top. 40 but <laughs> but if you're looking at true chart success and popularity and stuff i would think you know, george michael at least maybe yeah. even Wayne should would be up there pretty high well bruce kind, of, kind of ending oh bruce what do you think of uh i see i don't know about this one genesis but it's kind of genesis slash phil collins because once they broke up he kind of kept going so i don't know if genesis is enough to get in there by themselves I would think, yeah, I, it's funny, Kevin, I, I had thought about that as I was putting this list together. I don't, they didn't get a whole lot of votes at all. I think, yeah. uh, you know, Genesis slash Phil Collins, certainly, I mean, they were huge, like, throughout just about all of the 80s, up in, you know, maybe 87, 88, Phil Collins started to kind of drop off, and Genesis kind of was on a break, but yeah, that's, we run a break. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else that comes to mind? Uh, Pet Shop Boys one. and Tears for Fears, but they weren't huge. I don't think they're big enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they're enough. They, yeah, they had a good success, good run there, a couple albums. And Kevin, who were you going to add? The other one I was thinking was maybe Foreigner. Um, I agree with you, Kevin. <laughs> From across the room. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> now we they kind now, of had hits throughout the entire decade. Yes, they did. So when um we did the original list that inspired us to actually do a poll, um, Snowball actually compiled that original list. So here's what it, it looked like. So I'm going backwards from 10 to 1. So Duran Duran, Huey Lewis. John Cougar, who I would put in my personal mm. for sure. Um, Foreigner, Hall & Oates, Prince, 
The Cars, Van Halen, The Police, and Journey. No Def Leppard. Mm. <laughs> and no Prince. Top 10, Hollow Notes, Foreigner, John Cougar. About us. Uh, those were all people that were on that original list, but not this one. So, yeah. And no Prince on that one. Interesting how he jumped all the way to four. Yeah. Some people had to stop and pick. They're like, okay, I can only get five. <laughs> Who are they going to be? Yeah. Wow. Nice. Okay, guys, thank you for your contributions, for all of the homework you did, bringing us these artists. And uh, it's really, really good stuff. So um, it, looking at, at our list here, most of these people are American artists because he was shunned. Um, our closing song today is going to be R-O-C-K in the USA by John Don't Call Me Cougar Mellencamp. There it is. All right, guys, thank you so much. Take care. Uh, we'll see you next time. God bless. Come from the cities and they come from the smaller towns. Beat up cars with guitars and drummers go with crack, boom, bam. R-O-C-K in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. Yeah, yeah. Rockin' in the USA. Hey, what time you guys got to wake up tomorrow? Yeah, not as early as you, buddy. Anybody getting up before 5 a.m.? Nope. I hate you guys. Every one of you.